I'm Joran, for those that don't know me. Uh, I'm from the States. I've lived here on the coast for about three years, probably. Um, I help out with YWAM. Um, yeah, I just, I um, really honored to get to speak tonight. I really respect everyone at Good Life and uh, just this whole crew and just everyone here. Like, I know so many people sitting here tonight, and I feel in, a little intimidated, but also really honored that, like, it's that I'm up here. Like, I don't know what I'm doing up here. But, um, yeah, so I'll just, uh, I'll just pray to open and, and we'll get into it. I'm going to play with this chord the whole time, sorry. Um, yeah, Jesus, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for this beautiful night. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just pray that we would all be open to whatever you want to say tonight. I just pray that you'd anoint my words and that whatever babble comes out, that it would, it would get your touch before it meets their ears. And um, yeah, so we just love you so much. We're so thankful for who you are and all that you've done for us. In your name, amen. So like Mike was saying, they've been doing a, a series on the kingdom and the cross. And so tonight, I really kind of wanted to more focus on what is the purpose of the kingdom on earth? Because like, it's really easy to understand why Jesus and the cross and the kingdom is important for eternity, but maybe not always that easy to understand what the purpose of it is for right now. And so, as I was kind of prepping and, and digging through this idea, I, I started looking into like revolutions through history, things that have changed. And so to revolutionize something means to change something radically. And so I wanted to start tonight by looking at someone that has radically revolutionized the entire known world at that time, but also we're still feeling the effects of that to this day. Does anyone have any guesses who that may be? That's a good guess. That's, but no, Alexander the Great. Um, but in a church setting, like 90% of the time, Jesus will be the right answer. So it's like C on a multiple choice. You can always get it. Um, so I wanted to talk about Alexander the Great because at his time, he was in the time from the last book we have in the Old Testament of Malachi before Jesus showed up in that 400 year time, Alexander the Great did his thing. And so his empire, the Greeks, he, no one could stop him. The power he had, the ability he had, like every nation he came in contact with in that entire known world was, was not wiped out, but was overtaken by him. And when he would overtake them, he would influence them in Greek ways. So if he took control of them, it would now be they have to adopt Greek practices Greek language, which is really interesting if you look at the New Testament being written in Greek at that time. What's God doing with that? I don't know, but look in that on your own. But um, so they had to adopt Greek language, um, all these things. And he took over so much, like he was so, um, like, like he defeated so many people that he actually ended up killing himself because in his words, he said there was no one left to conquer which like, so Alexander probably had a bit of identity issues and some other stuff he probably needed to work through. But I bring all that up, I, I bring him up because the people of Jesus' time, the people of these parables that we learned last week that we'll look at today, um, the people that were interacting with Jesus while he was on earth thought that Jesus the Messiah was gonna be a Jewish version of Alexander the Great. So they thought when the Messiah was going to come, all through history as they were looking forward to the Messiah, they thought, okay, he's going to come in and he's going to wipe out everything and we're going to be number one. 
And so at the time when Jesus came in the Roman Empire, everyone expected him that he was going to be like Alexander, that he was going to come in and he was going to take it all. He was going to take back the authority, take back the wealth, the position, the riches, all of it. And that the Israelites would then be number one again. But as we see, like, as, as we see and know, like, Jesus didn't come to tear down and take. He came to give and transform. And so tonight, I really wanted to look into that idea. How I said, looking at the kingdom on earth, I wanted to look into this idea of transformation. That God's heart for his kingdom to continually transform what's already there, not tear down. You know, Jesus didn't tear down everything and restart and then have a fishbowl of his followers. He started transforming one by one what's already there. And so we're going to look at that. Um, so tonight, to look at that, we're going to look at um, Matthew 13. And it's the parable of the weeds. So if you have your Bible, just flip there. It's uh, actually 13, 24 through verse 30. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to, them, said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we have this story of, of the sower. Like last week Greg talked about the sower and the seeds, and he was talking about the response to that. And, but this one we have the sower sowing the seeds, but then the enemy comes and puts weeds among it, and then obviously wait till the end and we'll separate at the end. And so we see Jesus later on. It's this weird interruption of we have a quick little interruption with two parables of the mustard seed to a large tree and the leaven that is seen, all the flowers leavened because of this small amount. But then we come back to this explanation. And Jesus explains that the sower is himself, as we see. And later on, if you want to see where he explains, it's 36 to 43. So we see that Jesus is the sower and that the good seed is those who follow his ways, or Christians, those who are, are following Jesus. And that the bad seed is the ones who follow the ways, it says, of the evil one. So the ones that are following evil ways, evil words, evil practices, naturally implying not the ways of Jesus, not Christian. And that the harvest is the end time, is the end of time where the final judgment, it'll be separated. And this is all heavy stuff. And I know right when you bring up final judgment and separate, everyone's like, oh boy. But I just wanted, I wanted to look at a different perspective because I think when we read that, every time you hear that parable or we read that, all we think about is that last part. That like, oh, at the end, the bad ones will be thrown into the fiery furnace and the good ones won't. And so that consumes, it takes all our attention and we go, I don't want to be thrown in the furnace. That's all we're thinking, which valid. Like, I, I don't want to be thrown there either. But... I wanted to kind of change our look at it, and what really stood out to me this time was the, the process of the seed till the harvest. So the harvest is where they get separated, but I wanted to look at this idea of the seed, the good seed gets planted, but then 
in order from seed to harvest, it has to go through a process of growth. And verse 30 really stood out to me because when they go to tear it out, he says, let them both grow together. And so it's just interesting to me. Yeah, like let them both grow together. And it just, that really caught my eye this time and completely changed the look of this parable for me because I was like, oh, like there's a process required here. And then I started, when we think through the kingdom, start, I'm thinking about this, this process of transformation that Jesus came to bring his kingdom that transforms. Um, and as I looked, I really realized, I'm like, oh, that's us. Like, we're that good seed. If we have put our faith and our hope in Jesus, we have, without realizing it or not, entered a time of growth and transformation to be more and more like him. And so, that's all of us. We are, we are transforming, or the goal is that we would transform. Um, but often we, we, sorry, <laughs> often we miss that, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense if we miss that. Because, like, I lived a lot of my life, like, I've been a Christian most of my life, and to be honest, though, like, I was never a Christian that just went one direction, realized I needed God, turned, and then just it all made sense. But it wasn't that. It was, to be honest, it was pretty confusing. And mainly because I didn't know how to live once I was saved. And, like, I thought I just entered a set of rules. And so I bring that up because it, it really changes a lot of things once you realize you're in the transformation. You're in that process. And so when I got saved, it was great. Like, I encountered Jesus, like most of us here have. I felt his love and his grace. And I was like, wow, that is incredible. And then I have the confidence in the rest that like, I can stand before my creator with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. And I put my faith in that sacrifice that I can stand there and accept that. And that is good news. It really is. That is life-changing news. But the problem was I kind of was standing there like, okay, that's amazing news for my eternity. But now what? Like one day when I die, that's going to be amazing. But hopefully I'm not dying anytime soon. So what do I do till then? And I, I just, I didn't know what to do because after I got saved, I was looking around and it all kind of still looked the same. You know, if you got a scar on your leg when you came to Jesus, you probably have a scar on your leg after you met Jesus. You know, and I look around and in, if to tie it to this parable, there was a lot of weeds still around. I'm like, this is amazing. I met Jesus. But there's still the same temptations, the same struggles, the same hurts, the same desires, the same confusions. It didn't really clarify a lot for my time right now. And it kind of, so I just started going around living like I had some kind of VIP stamp. I just like, I would do the same stuff. I would, I'm not just talking about the same, like we think of the big bad ones, but I'm just like, I would prioritize what everyone else prioritized. I would spend my money like everyone else spent their money. I would stress over what everyone else stressed over. I would dream the way everyone told me to dream. Not to mention, I would also fall into temptation the same way everyone else around me was. The only difference was now I had in my head that I'm doing all the same as the world around me, just like all the weeds, but yet I have the VIP stamp. I'm saved and I know Jesus and I do my best to follow his rules. That's sort of my mindset in the way I was living. And I realized, though, I was asking the wrong question. Like, it, it's not a question. I wasn't living with, like, what can I do to become more like Jesus and shine his light to a hurt and lost world? I was asking, what can I do and not do 
to be saved. I didn't get it. I was still in this, and I felt to share this tonight because once I started sharing that with friends and people, I, I realized a lot of people were in that same boat. We feel we've entered a, con a contract of rules instead of a relationship with God. And so I would live like that, and that just led to a spiral of worse to worse because sin wasn't something I wanted to avoid so that I could therefore become more like Jesus in every way. It was something I would see how close I could get to but not cross so that I could still be saved. Again, I was living, living for eternity is good. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong on that. But I was living for this. As long as I'm saved, that's the most important part. So say whatever example you want. You know what I mean? If four beers put me over the edge, I'd have three because then I was still good. You know what I mean? And, or if, you know, put your, put your thing on it. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. But I would look at it and be like, how close could I get? And it was the wrong question. I wasn't filtering life through, Lord, how can I continue to grow? How can I continue to be more like you with every small and big movement? And, yeah, as I, as I did that, it was, it was really confusing. And to be honest, I didn't fully get the point of following Jesus. Like I, like I said, I got it for eternity. I'm like, that's great, great, one day. But I was like, okay, life seems the same here, and I don't fully get it. And it, it, was, it was pretty confusing. It was pretty, a little depressing, to be honest, because I was like, is this the life and life to the full that everyone talks about? Because it doesn't seem like it. Seems like I'm struggling with the same stuff. And when you're struggling, anyone that's ever struggled with anything, which we all could say yes, like the days go fast, but the hours are slow. And so that's a long journey of just like, man, like, what am I even doing? What is the point of this? Why am I even following God? I can't really figure it out. And then I finally had a thought and it just came to me of what if the acceptance of my faith, the acceptance of my salvation wasn't the mountaintop of my journey with God, but it was simply the doorway into his kingdom. It was the starting point. It wasn't, but so often it's, I was holding it as the highest point. Nothing could get better than that. Nothing, that's the, that was the point, is what I thought. And so, like I said, I would live that way. But once I realized that that moment of me raising my hands and accepting the grace and the love of Jesus and giving my life to that, that was the door to the kingdom that was like all right you're in now the transformation of growth that begins and that really changed a lot um, because I didn't understand that Jesus didn't come just to offer me a solution for my eternity he came to give me a new way to live not just a new ending but a new new approach to life a new lens for my purpose a new lens for what's important and what's not important in Matthew 11, he's, he's talking and he says, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. And that's so fascinating to me because Jesus made it clear like what to do. And he didn't say, you know, take my vacation, you know, or like take my, like he's not offering easy. He's offering a way to do the same thing differently. A yoke is a tool for work. And he says, take that and learn from me and I will give you rest, which is interesting. He's like, take my tool and it's contradicting almost but it's because he's saying he's offering a new way a new approach um, and that a new approach is just like the way he advances kingdom comes through small things it's it's not 
It's not like Alexander the Great. It's not a big sword coming down to put everyone in their place and tell them how it is. And yeah, like he came one by one, changing the heart of one person that changed. You know, it's amazing to me that God of creation that knew everything could have answered any question, gave it to 12 guys and said, go for it, man. I trust you. And now here we are. Like, and so that happened. That kingdom is advanced and transformed just like the grain through small individual moments of, of not reacting like everything else around you reacts, of treating people different than what we should treat them. Someone cuts you off. Someone cheats you. Someone talks behind your back. Someone wrongs you. Like our world reaction tells us to do this. But Jesus is like, man, my kingdom is advanced by doing his way. Yeah, I just really saw as this week as I was prepping for that, how God has so advanced his kingdom through that, through these small actions. We're all the small seeds. And, it's, and we don't do this just because we know we're going to be saved. We do these things and we act in confidence in the hard things, in hope and confidence, knowing we will rest with our creator. We will be saved. We will get to stand with him. And so, because if not, we're just hovering at the door. There's this big grand kingdom that's amazing for us that like the world can look so much different. And, but if all we're focusing on is what can we do to be saved and not saved, we're just going like this in the door of the kingdom. But Jesus has so much more. Like he has so much more for our lives. And so, yeah, I just, I'm just end with that. Just end with this challenge on, you know, do you feel like just spend some time and ask God, like do you feel you're, you're living to be in heaven, which is amazing? Or do you feel that you're living because you want to bring the light of Jesus to a lost and hurting world?